You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. That one. Let's take our Bibles this evening, Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter number 1 this evening. <clears throat> Touchy topics. That's our, our series for the next few weeks here, and uh, we'll be addressing some things that uh, can cause, <laughs> I'm preaching Sunday morning about, we need to have no divisions, and then Sunday night I'm like, some people divide over this, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of interesting, but men, let's get signed up for the men's barbecue, please, and uh, Pastor Stan and Scott is a great friend of mine, I love him dearly, and he is going to be a blessing this Saturday, so I invite you, please sign up, and if you know somebody Bring them. If cost is an issue, come see me. We want you there. Uh, we really, really do. It's going to be a, an encouragement to you and a blessing. Um, and then I, there is an opportunity. We had someone come uh, visit us recently in church, and they are going to a, um, a, a Long Beach Unified School District meeting on the 20th at uh, 5 p.m., and they are, they're, they're trying to get 1,000 people of faith to go and uh, meet at the school district and talk to the school board about the agendas of, like, the, 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 uh, the trans agenda that's being pushed upon kids in the public school and, uh, and, and things of that nature. And they're meeting and wanting to just have people show up. You don't have to speak. You don't have to, uh, you know, present anything. But uh, they're trying to get people to go just to represent, hey, that we stand against and we oppose, uh, that, that the school is trying to tell our kids, and we don't have our kids in public school, but the kids in our community, they're trying to raise them for us. They're trying to tell us that, hey, if you think you're a boy and you're actually uh, biologically a girl, then you should just switch. And, and they're even being given power to do those things and change those things, which to me is, is, is incredibly ridiculous. And uh, so I'm going to have a sign-up sheet. Miss Nancy, if we could get a sign-up sheet. Uh, if you'd like to be, a, uh, uh, if you'd like more information about that, again, it's on a Wednesday. And I want you, I'd rather you be in church than be there, but I think you could do both. And uh, so if you'd like to be a part of that, um, if we could get one uh, tonight out there, Miss Nancy. I know I'm giving you a short notice on that. I apologize, but this information's coming to me, and I want to be able to uh, give you, if, so if you sign up, we'll contact you with more info about it. Again, that's Wednesday. Uh, the 20th of September. And then, don't forget about our grace giving. And I, I keep mentioning this because I want you to be praying about it. What would God have you give on a weekly, monthly basis, whatever it is, on a weekly or monthly basis next year in regard to worldwide mission? Now, of course, we know that this is above our normal offerings to the Lord, uh, to, to, that, uh, that we give to, to the Lord every week, our tithes and offerings. This is above and beyond that, and this goes only to worldwide missions. And so this helps us set our budget and know how many we can support, how many people we can support from our church. I think currently we're in the 80s. We lost several, several missionaries. And uh, we just met with the deacons. We have five missionaries we wanna vote to support. And we'll bring that to you next Sunday night. In fact, one of the missionaries will be here next Sunday night. But we'll be voting on that next Sunday night. But please be in prayer for this. And pick one of these up. They're in the foyer out there. And two weeks from today, we're going to be picking those up, okay? Galatians chapter 1. Uh, I... How many of you have reoccurring dreams? Do you? All right. Okay, I'm not the only one. So I have several. 
have a recurring dream every couple of months that one of my teeth falls out. Apparently, that's common, but I don't know what that's about. You know, I'm like trying to find some spiritual significance there, but I can't. I have a recurring dream. I really, it's a nightmare that I'm back in college, and I'm in the dorms. And I have that dream once every probably two months, that I'm in some fashion, I'm back in the dorms, and I'm, and I'm going to school. And my dreams are so crazy. They'll shift from one thing to another, you know, and, and I'll be back in the dorms. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like, I'm married. Why am I back in the dorms? And i got to complete this last year of college or whatever. And for some reason, I have that. I also have a very vivid and very scary uh, dream that ha has happened to me so many times, and it's that I'm about to preach and I realize I didn't prepare. I have no notes. Now, honestly speaking, I could preach anywhere for 30 minutes without notes on just about any topic. I've been preaching for 20 years. I could probably do that. But in my dreams, and I, and I would never do that. I, you prepare. That's what you're supposed to do. But in my dream, I have that. And so I, I, I don't, and it just randomly happens. I'm speaking somewhere, and all of a sudden, I don't have my notes. I, I, had, I took a nap this afternoon. And in that nap, I had a dream that, first of all, here's the weirdest part. My dream was that Hugo was singing a solo that day. And I was sitting down here, and Hugo came up to sing a solo. And I was like, Hugo's singing a solo. And then it hit me. You're not ready for the service night. You didn't prepare. And so I was in here, and I ran to my office, and I was like, okay, okay. He, he's on the second verse already. He's almost done. And so I'm rifling through my office. I'm like, what in the world? I know what I'm preaching on, but I have, I've preached on this before. I had to have. There's got to be a note somewhere. And I so panicked in my dream, and then I run back into the auditorium. He'd been done for a minute, and there's nobody here. So I don't know, like... Y'all, I don't do drugs, but I don't know why I have these dreams. But Hugo, you come sing for us today. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, I just felt like sharing that with you. Now, we're dealing with today with touchy topics, and, uh, and the, the first touchy topic I want to address is really one that we need to understand for the sake of all the other touchy topics that are coming. And the one we're dealing with today is the word standards. Now, standards may not be a touchy topic to you. You may be saying, what in the world? I don't even know what that's talking about. I want to preach a message today about all the stuff that's not in the Bible. That's what this is about. All the stuff that's not in the Bible. We're going to use a couple of scriptures at the beginning. And tonight, my, my heart is to just teach you about this, about this thing of what do you do about the stuff that's not in the Bible. Wouldn't it be so nice if it was, thou shalt listen to this music. Thou shalt dress with only wearing these things. Thou shalt only eat this. Thou shalt, but there's not. So what do we do with that? Look at Galatians chapter 1. The first principle that we see here is an important one. Look at verse uh, 8 there, chapter 1, verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So in other words, 
when the angel Moroni came and appeared to Joseph Smith and they were going to start the Mormon religion, he should have said, that's accursed. I'm not listening to that. Because it wasn't an angel. He's crazy. But verse 10 says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, then I should not be the servant of Christ. What's the principle we see there? That we are supposed to not be trying to please men, but please Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. That's big. Go in your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. Last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter number 4. You probably know these verses, but I want to show you this here. Revelation chapter number 4 of course, chapter 4 is where the Bible stops mentioning the church. In other words, we believe the rapture happens uh, in this passage at, at the end of chapter 3. And then it's the picture there of the this, this church is no longer on earth. They're with Christ. And now we're getting a view into heaven and what's happening there. In chapter 4, verse 9, And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders, representing saints of God, uh, those of us saved, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy what? For thy pleasure they are and were created. Why were we created? What is our purpose? To please God. That's it. That's why God created things, to please him. And so what we're doing on earth, we are here to please the Lord. Now, oftentimes, all we see is people just trying to please themselves or please other people. But those cups are never full. We have to learn that our job is to please the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So our underlining thought tonight is that we, what we're doing is supposed to be pleasing to God. That's what our heart should be. Our heart should beat for that, to please God in all that we do. Father, we pray tonight for your help and blessings upon uh, this, uh, this, really this lesson, uh, 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 this teaching message tonight. Pray for your clarity and guidance in what we say and in what we learn. And may it be really a help to those of us, those that maybe are newer to the Christian faith, newer to being saved, maybe some of us that have been in, in a long time, but we don't know why we believe certain things. God, I pray that you'd just give us the instruction and help that we need tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, I'm preaching about all the stuff that's not in the Bible. You know, everybody hates rules. Now, you may not hate the fact that there are rules. You may like, I like the fact that there are rules, but you still probably hate specific rules. There are probably specific things that your parents had as a rule growing up that you didn't like. There are things in school. I'm sure there are rules in our school that the kids don't like. And all the kids said, that was your chance. You didn't say amen. We're, we're making more rules now. All right. There were rules in college that I thought were just ridiculous rules. But you know what? I went to that college, so I might as well submit myself to the rules. But anyway, 
We, we all like that there are rules. We've seen what happens when there aren't rules. Just go to Portland. Just go to places where they're like, we don't need officers. What? You don't need rules? Yeah, there, are, there needs to be rules and there needs to be enforcement of rules in, a, in the right way, in the right fashion. But in recent years, a lot of young people have left churches over rules. The rules have been, and, and, and why they left, they say, deconstruction is the hot word today. I'm, I'm deconstructing my faith. I thought we were supposed to edify. I thought we were supposed to build up. Why are we deconstructing? Why aren't we constructing? We are God's building, not God's unbuilding. But deconstruction is a, a thing right now where a, a lot of young people are reevaluating what they've been taught in church and what they disagree with. Now, I think, you know, if, if your goal is ultimately, I want to please God. I don't want to just follow an arbitrary set of rules. Okay, I can maybe understand that. But if your purpose is, I want to just find out why I have to do this or why I can't do this just because I want to do my own thing, that's not right. There are many, many of these people that are leaving churches that are becoming extremely critical of all churches and are leaving the church altogether. Well, that's not right. Many people are simply fed up with the rules. They're, they're gonna, basically just going to do what they want to do, and they're going to try to find a Bible verse to back it up. Preachers do that too. But people that want to get out of church do that. A lot of people that we went to college with even have left church altogether because we just weren't taught this. You weren't taught one thing, so you leave the faith over it? Is that really... What God was, that seems a very immature faith, if you ask me. Very often, though, standards are what gets blamed when people leave church. Well, they just had all these rules. Well, they just had all these standards. They just had all, you know, but I, I want to just address some of this tonight because I grew up hearing stuff and being taught stuff that I don't agree with anymore. Did I quit church over it? No. I'm not, I'm not serving God for what God can do for me. I'm not serving God because of what some pastor said or some other evangelist said. I'm here because I want to please God. And so I'm not leaving church over a person. I'm not staying in church over a person unless that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give you some important definitions. And I, let me just make a very big recommendation to you. If this message is provoking some thought in you as we get to the end, a lot of the stuff that I have learned, I learned from a book by Clint Cavanis. We have it in our bookstore. It's called How to Build Your Own Standards. It is, I taught it to our teenagers years ago. I used it as a curriculum. It is fantastic. And so if some of this is getting you going and you want to think more about this, I recommend that book highly. I want to give you some important definitions. Now, when you go into the Bible and you read the Bible, some things are a command. You know, we have the 10 Commandments, right? So we, those are commands. Thou shalt not. That'd be nice if there were, but, but if, if we had more of those things that we could think about. But think about this for a second. If God wrote the entire Bible with thou shalt nots, how big would that book have to be? All the cultures that have ever existed, all the practices that have ever existed, and God's going to write a book saying, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not watch this type of anime, thou shalt not go to these type of movies. Thou shalt... That book would be so big it wouldn't even fit in this building. So what did God do? 
God gave us scripture and he gave us wisdom. And he gave us principles. So there are th some things in the Bible that are commanded. You know you should not do those. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. There are things that are commands. But the next thing is uh, there, there are scriptural principles. Now you can show the next slide because it has all this on there. And I'm okay with everybody seeing it. Scriptural principles. I don't know if you can read that. Uh, but uh, a scriptural principle is an observation of God's will as revealed in his word. So you're reading scripture and you see something that pleases God or a principle in there that, that uh, is something that would uh, help you to live life better, something that is obviously God's will. So we have a scriptural principle, okay? Under that is a conviction, a conviction is a firm belief based upon a scriptural principle that compels me to change. So I go read my Bible and I see a scriptural principle in there of what God says about something that makes him happy. Well, now I'm going to take that principle and I'm going to form a conviction about it. And, we're going to, and I'm going to explain this in a greater way in just a little bit, so stay with me. But then the third thing there is a standard. What's a standard? Uh, a standard is a rule or boundary that I impose upon myself to help me keep my conviction. I like the word boundary better than I like the word standard. I like the word boundary. I have set up some boundaries. There, there, there are boundaries I have set up that I learned from Billy Graham. Billy Graham wouldn't ride an elevator alone with a woman. Billy Graham wouldn't ride alone in a car with a woman. Billy Graham wouldn't counsel a woman alone. Why? Because he had a conviction that he should please God by not being immoral, which was based upon a scriptural principle of thou shalt not commit adultery. But you see where the boundary came from? The boundary came because he had a scriptural principle, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's a command, actually. And so he said, you know what? I don't want to be immoral. I don't want to even bring slander or reproach or even the thought of it or even the opportunity of it. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to build a standard, a boundary that keeps me from breaking that conviction which breaks that scriptural principle. Are you with me? Okay, so good. So standards, I view them as a boundary or a guardrail. When I go up Big Bear, and I, I don't like driving up Big Bear. I just don't. But I'm so glad they have a guardrail. I try to stay as far away from the edge as I possibly can going up Big Bear. But what is that guardrail to do? It's to keep you from going off the cliff. That's what a standard is. It's not a biblical command. It's not a thou shalt not. It's not a clear absolute from Scripture. It's something that you are using to self-impose to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to draw the line right here so that I do not break that conviction that I have based upon the word of God. That's what, I, that's what it is. The, now, you may set that guardrail right on the edge. And some people may set that guardrail back here. You have to determine where you're going to set your boundary. You have to determine where you're going to set your guardrail to protect you from falling into the sin or to breaking the conviction and the scriptural principle that you have set. Our goal, by the way, should not be to live a set of rules. Our goal should be to please Jesus. 
The Bible does not contain specific rules about everything that we face today. There is no scriptural, scripture verse that directly talks about gambling. There is no scripture verse that directly talks about marijuana. There is no scripture verse that directly talks about smoking or, as I mentioned earlier, anime or R-rated movies or pornography or cussing. There is no thing that says, thou shalt not say these words. So why do we say it? Why do we say we shouldn't cuss? Why do we say we shouldn't watch R-rated movies with, with uh, nude scenes and, and, and all this other stuff? Why do we say we shouldn't gamble? Where do we get it from? Well, the Bible says we shouldn't. Where? And so tonight, I'm trying to help us to see that the Bible does have the answers for everything you'll face. But how do we get those answers? How do we find them out? That's what it's about. So, so again, God gave us the living word of God, and he gave us wisdom to be able to apply it to our lives. And we have to learn to work, apply the word of God to all the things that are not listed in the word of God. So God gave us principles. God gave us uh, understanding. God gave us the word of God and say, now take this book and the principles that are therein and apply it to your life. Now, commands are easy. We know a command. We can follow a command. But a lot of times there's a principle, a principle to follow. In Bible class, in our uh, Christian school, I taught for 16 years or whatever it was. Uh, uh, several years ago, I, I started a questions box. And I had this box, and it says, you know, do you have a question or something on it? And I'd put it in the room, and many of the teenagers here, you saw the question box. Many of you put dumb questions in the question box. Some of you put good questions in there. Some of you put questions like, you know, uh, just random weird stuff, and it always made me laugh, and it's funny. But uh, they, they had questions in the question box. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, I told the teenagers, I said, you don't have to put your name on it. It can be, it can be uh, totally anonymous, even though I knew their handwriting because I judged their, and, and, you know, did their tests every week. But anyway... I said, ask whatever you want. Man, we got some doozies in there. And I was glad because I was trying to teach this, that the Bible has the answer for everything you'll face. So you can find answers there. We addressed everything from uh, should a Christian watch anime to Harry Potter to plastic surgery to CBD and, uh, and uh, wine. We, I mean, we addressed everything. Now, most people have an attitude when it comes to Scripture. A lot of people have an attitude that I think is wrong. And the attitude they have is, show me where God says, thou shalt not blank. And so, okay, you say it's wrong. You say it's wrong to smoke. Well, show me where God says, thou shalt not smoke. Well, show me where it says you should. You know, that same terminology, that same philosophy can be flipped right back. So, but I will say that God doesn't say thou shalt not do everything, but there are things in the Bible where we can find out what God thinks about it and how we should act about it. The heart, though, and what I'm trying to get to before I get to a couple thoughts here is that the heart that we should have in all of this is not, tell me why I shouldn't. The heart should be, what does God say? I want to please God. God may not have commanded it, but I want to please him. The Bible tells us to prove all things, test all things. The Bible tells us to prove that which is good. In other words, we should not be asking what's wrong with this. We should be asking what's right with this. 
That is a scriptural principle. To ask, does this please God, is the right question to ask. To ask, should I do this, is the right question to ask. The right question to ask is not, what's wrong with this? That's not the right question. And it comes from a heart that I believe is not quite right. The, the question should be, does it please the Lord? Can I do it in good conscience? Can I do it, without, it, it with, with a clean, clear conscience and know that God is okay with this? That, those are the questions to ask. I want to give you a couple of thoughts this evening. First of all, I want to talk about the problem with standards. The problem with standards, okay? There are two big problems that I see when it comes to standards. The first problem came, comes from standards when we don't explain where the standard came from. Parents, let me help you with this, please. Don't just tell your kids all the time what to do. Please tell them why. From time to time. Now, I know sometimes it's don't do this. Why not? Because it said so. And I understand that is actually a legitimate answer for parents sometimes. But sometimes you need to stop and say, well, let me explain to you, son, why you shouldn't do this. Let me explain to you, daughter, why you shouldn't do this. And take the time to explain it. See, because what happens is we have heard, and if and some of you, you grow up in church your whole life, and you heard what to do. You heard what not to do, but you never heard why. And that's how I felt. I grew up in a very strict church. By the way, I loved my church growing up. I'm not trying to say anything bad about my church growing up, because that's where I gave my life to God was because of that church. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are certain things that I, I don't agree with, though. And I grew up in a very, they, a very strict church. They had very high standards. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but they did have high standards. But the only thing I would say is, we heard what, but we really didn't hear why. What happens when that's the case? Here's what happens. When you hear what, but you don't hear why, when you grow up, you're not going to live somebody else's standards. You're going to give them up because you never knew why they had them in the first place. And so eventually you're going to say, you know what? Well, I don't even believe that because they never showed me from the Bible what it says. And again, that's something that, that uh, I have seen many times. And we're taught the standard, but we're not taught the reasoning behind it. We know the rule, but we don't know why we had the rule. Imagine if you're a parent and, and you're or a grandparent, by the way. We love you, grandparents. Thank you for all that you do. But if a parent were to say to their kids, don't touch the stove. You just cook something. You know the stove is hot. You say, don't touch the stove. And the kid may not touch the stove. But the kid may also not know why not to touch the stove. And they may be thinking, well, I don't understand why not to touch the stove. A couple of days later, they come into the kitchen and they touch the stove and nothing happens. And now they think, well, mom, dad is just crazy. I can touch the stove whenever I want because there's nothing wrong with touching the stove. And really what should have happened is, let me explain to you why this shouldn't happen. The other day, our youngest uh, touched, we, had, we were outside and out back, we have a little fireplace out back and, and uh, one of those propane ones, you know, and we had been doing, I think they did s'mores or something, I'm not a s'mores fan, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, some of you are like, oh, you can't believe that, but I'm really not, and, uh, and so they were eating some s'mores out there or whatever, and uh, we had the fire on for a while, and there's a little metal plate in the middle, and uh, when we left, our youngest decided to touch that plate when we weren't looking. And she'd, ah, you know, and, and uh, we were like, well, don't touch the plate, you know, but uh, we had to explain that. But, but what I'm saying is, if you don't explain why sometimes, it's going to happen again when you're not there. 
And so we have to explain why we believe or practice certain things. Rules, I've always said this, rules without relationship, without relationship, without relationship equals rebellion. I heard that years ago. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You can say what to do all you want, but there also has to be a relationship there and a relationship of explaining it. And when it comes to what the Bible says, if you view the Bible as just a rule book, you will not live the Christian life effectively. The Christian life is about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So understanding that, okay? So the first problem I see is when we don't explain standards. The second problem is when we teach our standards as if they were commandments. Now, go back to what we were just thinking a minute ago with on the screen. We saw scriptural principles. We saw convictions. We saw uh, all those things. But the highest one was a command. It was an obvious thing. It was a thou shalt not. It's obvious this is right and this is wrong. But sometimes we can, uh, in churches, we can begin to teach a personal preference as if it were a commandment. Or we can teach a personal standard as if it were a commandment, where if you break my personal preference, you have violated the word of God. If you break my personal standard, you violated the word of God. How dare you? And that's not, that's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. There is more to it than that. If you say things like the Bible says you shouldn't go to movie theaters. Well, I, I mean, like you think there's a verse that says thou shalt not? I'm not saying you should go to movie theaters, but, but to say that, that God said you shouldn't go, well, that's not accurate. The Bible says that men should never have beards. What? Jesus had a beard. But people say that. The Bible says that men should have their hair parted. I don't have enough hair to part. The Bible teaches ladies should not wear open-toed shoes. What? But did you know that there are places that preach that as if it were a command? I mean, I, I think it was my wife went to camp one time as a kid, as a young person. They said there are no open-toed shoes allowed. They're already at camp. They're like, well, these flip-flops are no good. These sandals are no good. I don't even understand that. Who's having a problem with ladies' feet? Oh, that's causing me to think unholy thought. What? I don't even understand that. Anyway, sorry, I, I got off on that. But that's a problem. But, but let me say this. Those are standards, not commandments. And honestly, with some of them, I don't even know how they got there. But, but, but let me say this about this point, and then we'll move on. Standards are not the problem. Boundaries are not the problem. The problem is if you don't explain them to those under your care, or if you preach them as if they were commandments. But we all have standards. Everybody in here has standards. You have personal beliefs. You have what you think is right and what you think is wrong. You have a standard when it comes to conduct, how a Christian should act. You have in your mind, you may not have thought it through, but you have standards about how a Christian should act. Because when you see a Christian act a certain way, you're like, well, they shouldn't do that. You have dress standards. You have standards in your mind of what is appropriate to wear and what's not appropriate. And so, so you have those standards too. You will say, oh, they shouldn't be wearing that. Oh, it may be different than somebody else's, but we all have dress standards. We all have music standards. I doubt anybody in here is like, hey, you guys can listen to Megadeth. It's all good. It's all under the blood. I don't think anybody in here would have that. If you're, I mean, if you've been saved any amount of time. 
So uh, we all have standards of music, of, of even of hair length. What's too long for a man? You know, what's too short for a woman? Uh, how much alcohol to drink? I say none, but some people would say it's okay. We all have standards of, of movies to watch, what's right, what's wrong, uh, what media to consume. You have to have standards. You have to have boundaries. Absolutely, we all do. We all have to draw the line somewhere. But here's the thing. You have to develop your own standards and boundaries, and you've got to know why you have them. That's what's important. And I just think a lot of Christians have not really thought it through. Like, well, it's not wrong to do this. It's not wrong to do this. God doesn't say anything about this. But have you thought it through? Have you considered biblical principles of what God wants you to do and what God doesn't want you to do? So that's my, those are the, the, the big two points there. I have two smaller ones and we'll be done here. I want to say number two, the procedure for building standards. What is the procedure for building standards? How do we build good guardrails? How do we build good boundaries that keep us from breaking what the Bible says? How do we build things that will protect me and protect my kids and my family as the gatekeeper of our home? How do I build standards and convictions that are build standards that, that would help that? Here's what we need to understand. Biblical standards should follow a logical line of reasoning. They should make sense. So uh, we, we have to be able to follow a logical line. Here's the logical line. Now, this is small on your screen here. I hope you can see it. We start with Scripture. Can I get a witness? We start with the Bible, okay? That's where we start. Then a Scripture gives us a principle, a truth. Something we believe from Scripture shows that we want to honor God this way. The principle yields a conviction, which says, I have a firm belief that I do not want to break this principle that I got from the Bible. And the conviction leads us to a standard or a boundary. That's the right procedure. Now, you start with the Bible. You find out what pleases God. That's where you start. Then, after you see the scriptural principle, you develop a conviction. I believe firmly that this pleases God and this doesn't. I believe firmly that my body is the temple of God. I believe firmly that, and, and whatever that is, you, you have that firm belief in your mind of what that conviction is. Because remember, a conviction is a firm belief based upon the Bible uh, that, that, that makes me change something. And then <clears throat> you determine standards or guardrails or boundaries to keep you from breaking the convictions that you have. Thirdly, so we see the problem with standards, the procedure for building standards. Lastly, the practice of developing standards. The practice of developing standards. And it takes practice. It really does. It takes some spiritual maturity, but you have to learn this, and you have to put it into practice every day because there are always new forms of entertainment for kids. There's always new things out there to grab your attention. There's always new bridges the devil's trying to make from something that's good and something that's not good. He's always trying. So, so we have to be consciously, every time something new comes up, going back to the Bible, saying, what's the principle? 
What's the principle? What's the principle? What is my standard? What's my boundary going to be? Because there's always new forms of evil. Take your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to practice this with you very briefly. We'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So, we're going to put this into practice here in a very simple way. And here's what I, I want to encourage you to do. If you have specific questions in regards to this, you can always ask me, you can always email me, you can always text me or call me. Just don't do it on Monday because it's my day off. But anyway, uh, but, uh, or if you think it's a big thing, we're going to have another question and answer time uh, next month. And so if you want to ask and put the question in the box, then I'd be glad to go over it in more detail. This honestly could have been a series on this topic. It really could have. It, I mean, it really, really could have. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Let's look at our scripture. That's where we start, right? We start with scripture. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. You have your body because of God, and ye are not your own. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So let's take this logically. Let's go from scripture to principle to conviction to standard. Scripture, we just read. What's the principle I can take away? My body is God's temple. That's a, that's a principle we just saw, right? My body is God's temple. So what conviction can I get from just reading that? I could say the, the conviction is, and I have this conviction, I should respect this body. I should treat this body right, and I should treat this body like God lives in it and owns it because God does live in it and God does own it. That's my conviction. I need to treat this body right because God lives in it. This body is not mine to do whatever I want to with it. The body is not for fornication. The Bible says that in, in the previous verses right there. So, so uh, this, this body is God's temple. That's my principle. It's easy to see from Scripture. My conviction is I need to respect this body. I need to treat it right because God lives in it. It belongs to him. So now, if that's my conviction that I need to treat my body right, if that's my conviction that God lives inside of me, what boundaries am I going to put up so I don't mess up God's temple? What boundaries am I going to put up so that I don't cross over and break my conviction, which is based upon Scripture? You could say something like this. I won't smoke or do drugs because that's going to destroy God's temple. There's no verse on that. But do you see how we got there logically? Do you understand that, yes, the Bible does address this? And that my body is a temple of God? Smoking is not necessary. You know, drugs are not, you know, as far as uh, recreational drugs and things. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I have a conviction that this body is God's. I'm not going to ruin it that way. How about this? I won't tattoo God's temple. This is God's billboard, not mine. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, you know, and, and I understand some people are like, well, I'm going to put a cross tattoo up on my arm. I understand your philosophy, and I understand that your heart is, I want to show what I've done, but, but it's not your body. It, it's not, you know, so for me, that, that is a, a boundary I have placed because I don't want to break my conviction of, of, of dishonoring God's temple. 
that, that is where that comes from. Now you say, well, I'm going to take to Leviticus and use an Old Testament verse, but that, that verse doesn't really apply specifically to tattoos. It's really a, a standard, a boundary that we set because of that. How about this one? I won't use my body for immoral, illicit behavior with someone who I'm not married to. Why? Because it's not my body. It's God's body. Now, of course, there are clear commands on that. But I'm not going to do it. I won't use my body to advertise worldly things that displease God. I'm not going to wear a Budweiser shirt. Why? Well, because I belong to God, and this is His body, and I don't. I want to honor my conviction that I'm going to that I'm going to act like God lives in this body. My son Silas and I knocked on the door yesterday. Out soul winning, and the guy came to the door, and he had some Volkswagens in front of his, his name was Jeff. And uh, talked to him, and he's a super nice guy. He had a shirt on that said Pliny the Elder, which, of course, is like an old, you know, uh, 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 philosopher. And so I said, Pliny the Elder, why would you even wear a shirt like that? He goes, oh, it's a beer company. And I was like, okay. I was like, do you go to go to church anywhere? No. I was like, shocking. You know, now he could have. I'm not trying to judge the guy based upon that. But, but I, I'm not going to wear a Bud Oh, I would never wear a Bud Light shirt no matter what anyway. But... Uh, but I'm not going to wear a T-shirt with it on. Why? Because, because my boundary is, is that. I'm not going to wear a Taylor Swift T-shirt. You know, no, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I'm just using that as an example. Why? Because my body is to be used for God. And my conviction is I want to respect this body. My conviction is that I, I, I want to act like God lives inside of me. And I want to do what pleases God. That's the whole underlying thing. Now, I'm just giving you examples of, of some boundaries you can set just based upon one principle. But can I tell you that there are so many principles about these things that you can see in Scripture too? Like there's so many other ones beside this verse. How about this one? I will dress my body in a modest and holy fashion and not show off my body. Why? Because this is God's, God lives inside. This is where the Lord lives. I'm not going to show off this body. Show me in scripture where it talks about showing off your body. It doesn't. It actually talks about covering up your body and not showing it off. And we'll see that in a couple of weeks when we talk about dress standards, which I'm not looking forward to, but I'm looking forward to in a certain way. It, my body is not for people to ogle at. I don't believe that, you know, God, God wants it that way. That, that, that isn't for me. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I won't use my eyes for pornography or my ears for music that displeases God. Why? That's a, you, you can set that boundary because your body's God's temple. I won't use my mouth for cussing or for dirty jokes. Why? Because my body is God's temple. So you can take one scripture and apply it in many ways. But you've got a principle, and you've got a conviction based upon that principle that this is God's body, and I want to honor God with my body because God, it, it belongs to him, and God lives inside of me. And so because of that, I'm going to set up some boundaries so that I don't dishonor God's temple. And again, this is just a couple examples, but you can take different scriptures and do the same thing over and over again. We have to have boundaries. Absolutely. We have reasons for what we do. In our, in our home, we have reasons for what we do and for what we don't do. And we've developed those over many years of going through these things in our mind and saying, okay, what does Scripture say? What's the principle on this? How do we do this? What's the Bible? What would be pleasing to God in this area? I'd rather err on the side of caution than not. And so we have these reasons. 
You know, I have about seven reasons why I don't go to the movies. Pastor, do you look down upon us because we do? No. I have about seven reasons why I don't go. So what are they? Ask me in the question and answer time. I'll be glad to tell you. There's a lot of reasons why I don't go. Again, am I, am I saying you're a terrible Christian because you do? No. I have boundaries. Now, you may not like my boundaries, but don't undermine my boundaries to my kids. Don't tell my kids my boundaries are wrong because I actually have thought through my boundaries. Does that make sense? I know why I have boundaries, and I know where my boundaries are. And I'm trying to teach the church, I'm trying to teach our teens, I'm trying to teach everybody how to make their own boundaries. I have reasons why I don't wear Speedos at the beach. I have reasons why I don't take my shirt off in public. That's gross, Pastor. Would it be less gross if I had a six-pack? Well, it'd be okay then. How do you know I don't have one? It doesn't matter. It's not based upon, oh, wait a minute. You look really good in that, so it's totally okay to wear. What? I can show off my body if it looks good? But I should cover up if it looks bad? That's devilish. It's not scriptural. But I have reasons why I don't do those things. I have reasons why I don't use medicinal marijuana. And sometimes I kind of want to. I have reasons why I won't drink wine or beer. I have reasons why. I've thought through it. I've thought, I've taken the scripture and said, okay, God, what pleases you? Show me the principles that I can form a conviction on and I can set my boundaries for. That's what we're talking about tonight. Now, you may look at some of, of, of the things I say or the, some of the convictions or some of the boundaries and, and maybe you think I'm crazy or you think, hey, you're just living by a bunch of rules or whatever. You're living under the law. It's legalism. It's not legalism. I know exactly what I'm doing in regards to these things. But I would ask you today, do you have reasons for what you do? Do you know why you do what you do? Do you know why you don't do what you don't do? And before we mock other people for their standards or for their boundaries, maybe we ought to do what the Bible says to do and examine ourselves and say, why do I do what I do? And is it pleasing to God? And, I, and I'll talk more about being fully persuaded in your own mind and that sort of thing in a couple, a couple lessons from now. We've got a missionary next week. and We've got mission Sunday after that. So we've got a lot going on. But I want to encourage you to really think through some things and say, and maybe go to God in prayer and say, Lord, teach me your scripture. And I'm going to read this book and I'm going to take it in and I'm going to see what the scripture principles are here. And I'm going to form a conviction that I have a firm belief that God wants me to do this. God doesn't want me to do this. And because of that, I'm going to set a boundary and I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. This is okay. And this is okay. Just as long as it doesn't go, this is okay. But this is not. When we talked, I'll say this and I'm done. When we talked in our question and answer last time, somebody asked a question about magic or witchcraft or things like that. I, I, I have drawn the line. I'll just be very frank and honest with you. In our home, I draw the line. Anything to do with demonism is not allowed. Nothing. 
Now, if someone has, like, you know, a magical power of some kind, you know, some, I, I don't care about that. That's, that, to me, is, is, is not the, the, the main issue. But if there's anything slightly demonic, if they're calling the dead, if they're, anything that is necromancy, anything that is slightly, in any way hinting demonism or Satan, forbidden. Not coming in. Nope. Absolutely not. Superman, you're okay. He's got magical powers because he's from Krypton. I'm okay with Superman, all right? Because actually, I am Superman. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Why? Because for me, I, I don't see that as that, that's the line we've drawn. That's the line we've drawn to say if it's witchcraft or it's an evil devil. No. So I'm just asking you today have you thought through that? Are you seeking to please God? Or do you just. Look for the thou shalt nots in the Bible so that you can get away with what you really want to do. The bottom line is, is your heart's desire to please God. Then I would encourage you to learn what he wants, not just what he commands. Father, we thank you for the scripture tonight, and I hope tonight wasn't just a jumbled mess. I, I hope there was some good instruction here, and I understand that a topic like this really has to be practiced to be able to